Welcome to this reading of the Poem of the Man-God, the private revelation of the life and ministry of Jesus of Nazareth. Now out of print, this five-volume set of books is a narration of the life of Jesus, which extends from the birth and childhood of the Virgin Mary through the public ministry of Jesus, his passion and resurrection, and closes with the Assumption into Heaven. The narration is interspersed with direct dictations from Jesus for the sake of the whole world. These highly inspired visions were recorded by Maria Valtorta around the time of World War II, yet she did not consider herself the author. They were first published without her name shortly before her death, and only posthumously was her name added. My sole aim with this podcast is to share this lost treasure with the world. I hope you will enjoy them as much as I have. And if you do, please share them. Thank you for listening. Poem of the Man, God Book 1, number 43, Conclusion of the Private Life. Mary says directly to Maria, Before handing in these notebooks, I wish to add my blessing. Now, only if you wish so, with a little patience, you can have a complete collection of the private life of my Jesus, from the Annunciation to the moment that he leaves Nazareth to start his public life. You have not only the dictations, but also the illustrations of the facts that accompanied the family life of Jesus. The infancy, childhood, adolescence, and youth of my son are only briefly mentioned in the vast picture of his life as described in the Gospels. There he is the master, here he is the man. He is the God who humiliates himself for the sake of man, and he works miracles also in the humility of a common life. He works them in me because I feel that my soul reaches perfection by the contact with my son who is growing in my womb. He works them in the house of Zecharias by sanctifying the Baptist, by helping the labor of Elizabeth, and by giving speech and faith back to Zecharias. He works them in Joseph, opening his spirit to the light of such a sublime truth which he could not understand by himself, although he was just. And after me, Joseph is the most blessed by this shower of divine gifts. Consider how much progress he makes, I mean spiritual progress, from the moment he comes into my house to the moment of the flight into Egypt. At the beginning he was but a just man of his times, then by successive steps Joseph becomes the just man of Christian times. He acquires faith in Christ, and he relies so securely on that faith that from the sentence he pronounced at the beginning of the journey from Nazareth to Bethlehem, what shall we do? A sentence which reveals the whole man with his human fears and his human worries. He passes on to hope. In the grotto before the birth, he says, It will be better tomorrow. Jesus, who is approaching already, fortifies him with this hope which is one of the most magnificent gifts of God. And from this hope, when he is sanctified by the contact with Jesus, he progresses on to daring. He always wanted to be guided by me because of the venerable respect he felt for me. Now he manages himself, both spiritual and material matters, and as head of the family, he decides when there is a decision to be taken. Not only, but in the painful hour of our flight after that months of union with the Divine Son had, had filled him with holiness. It is he who comforts my affliction and says to me, Even if we should have nothing else, we shall always have everything, because we shall have him. 
My Jesus works his miracles of grace in the shepherds. The angel goes where the shepherd is, whom a fleeting meeting with my with me predisposes to grace and leads him to grace that he may be saved by it for eternal life. He works them wherever he passes, both when in exile and when he came back to his little country in Nazareth, because wherever he was, holiness spread out like oil on a linen fabric and the perfume of flowers in the air, and whoever was affected, if he was not a demon, became eager for holiness. Wherever this eagerness is, there is the root of eternal life, because who wants to be good will reach goodness, and goodness leads to the kingdom of God. You have now the holy humanity of my Son, seen through details which reflect different moments from the beginning to the end, and if Father M. deems it useful, he can collect the various episodes into a unit in an orderly way without any gap. We would have given you everything in one lot, but Providence decided that it was better so. For your sake, my dear soul, with every dictation we have given you, the medicine for the wounds which were to be inflicted upon you, we gave it to you in advance in order to prepare you. During a hailstorm, nothing seems capable of protecting you, but it is not so. Humanity, which is sleeping buried under spiritual waters, is made to surface by the storm, which brings to the surface also the gems of a supernatural doctrine. Those gems had fallen into your hearts and are just waiting for the storm so that they may appear on the surface again and say to you, We are here as well. Do not forget us. Further, my dear soul, this procedure was not only the design of providence, it was based also on kindness. In your present dejection, how could you have watched certain visions and listened to certain dictations? They would have wounded you to this, the extent of making you unable to carry out your mission of mouthpiece. So we gave them first, avoiding to break your heart, because we are kind, and we used visions and words suitable to your suffering so that your grief would not grow into torture, because we are not cruel, Mary, and we always act so that you may receive solace from us, not dismay and increased sorrow. All we need is that you trust us. It is enough if you say with Joseph, If Jesus is left with me, I have everything, and we will come with heavenly gifts to comfort your spirits. I do not promise you human gifts or human comfort. I promise you the same consolations as Joseph had, supernatural ones. Because everybody should know, the gifts of the wise men in the dire necessities of poor refugees vanished as fast as lightning when we purchased a home and the bare essential household implements necessary for life, and the food which is also essential for life and could be procured only out of that source of income until such time as we found work. Jewish communities have always helped one another, but the community gathered in Egypt was formed almost exclusively of persecuted refugees, who therefore were almost as poor as we, who had come to join them. And a little share of that wealth, which we were anxious to keep for our Jesus when adult, and we had spared out of the expenses for setting, settling up in Egypt, was most useful for our return, and just sufficient to reorganize our house and the workshop in Nazareth upon our return. Because times change, but human greed is always the same, and it takes advantage of other people's necessities to suck its part in the most exorbitant way. No, the fact that we had Jesus with us did not procure us any material wealth. Many amongst you expect that when they are hardly united to Jesus. They forget what he said. 
set your hearts on things of the Spirit. All the rest is unnecessary. God provides also food for men as well as for birds, because he knows that you need food while your flesh is in the tabernacle of your soul. But first of all, ask for his grace. First of all, ask for things for your spirit. The rest will be given to you in addition. All Joseph had from his union with Jesus, from a human point of view, were worries, fatigue, persecutions, starvation. He had nothing else. But as he aimed only at Jesus, all this was turned into spiritual peace and supernatural joy. I would like to take you to the point where my spouse was when he said, even if we should have nothing else, we shall always have everything because we have Jesus. I know your heart is broken. I know your mind is becoming obscured. I know your life is wasting away. But Mary, do you belong to Jesus? Do you want to belong to him? Where, how did Jesus die? My dear child, weep, but persevere bravely. Martyrdom does not consist of the form of torture, but in the constancy with which the martyr endures it. Thus, death from a weapon is martyrdom, and likewise moral grief is martyrdom, if it is suffered for the same purpose. You are suffering for my son's sake. Whatever you do for your brothers is still love for Jesus who wants them to be saved. Thus your suffering is martyrdom. Persevere in it. Do not wish to do anything by yourself. The pressure of pain is too severe, and thus it is not possible for you to have sufficient strength to be your own guide and control your human nature, preventing it from weeping. All you need do is to let grief torture you without rebelling against it. It is enough for you to say to Jesus, Help me. What you cannot do, he will do in you. Remain in him, always in him. Do not wish to come out of him. If you do not, you will not come out. And even if your sorrow is so deep as to prevent you from seeing where you are, you will always be in Jesus. I bless you. Say with me, glory to the Father, and to the Son, and to the Holy Spirit. Let it always be your cry until you will repeat it in heaven. May the grace of the Lord always be with you. And the vision ends.